In this episode, I sat with Red Mage and White Mage. You'll remember them from the episode on the Sexy Brutal. And I talked to them about some of their favourite video games ever. This is a subject that we might come back to from time to time. It might also cause some heated discussions, shall we say, between myself and Squidgy. But that should prove to be good podcasting, because there's nothing funnier than when brothers argue, right? My asking, what are your favourite video games ever, is a new tactic that I started when I interviewed Stephen Smith. You'll remember him from the interview this episode. One which we might keep using from time to time. Both Squidgy and myself may do an entire episode on it in the future. Let's be honest, it might even end up being a series of episodes. I mean, we have played a lot of video games, and creating a simple top 10 might prove difficult. In my discussion with both Red Mage and White Mage, we covered a bunch of games from the third generation, that's consoles like the Nintendo Entertainment System, all the way through to the sixth generation. We even talked about a few PS2 titles. As always, check the show notes at wafflingtailors.rocks to see the full list of them. You do check the show notes, right? Anyway, enjoy our chat, and some might say waffle, on our favourite video games. Um, so what I like to do when I when I have people on is to ask them about three of their most favourite games ever, for whatever reason, and you can give a reason if you want, you don't have to give a reason. I know three is a difficult number. I know. There was, oh. um, I, I recently interviewed uh, Steve, who runs the uh, the Retro Game Fair events in uh, for Leeds. And oh, area. yeah. Was that where you were last weekend or the weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked him, I said, you know... If you had to recommend three video games to someone who was maybe 15, 16, wanting to get into playing older video games, the Nintendo or Master System or Mega Drive or something around that area, and he was stumped for a few minutes. It took him a couple of minutes to collect his thoughts. I'm not going to ask you guys that because it's a difficult question, but I'm going to ask you the more difficult question of the three games that either you've played once and you were like this is absolutely amazing but I'm never going to play it again for some reason or three games that you would come back to almost like a Desert Island Discs oh man. funny enough Desert Island that's... Discs of games wow. I was I was swimming earlier and I thought what if he asks the question <laughs> <laughs> and honestly I have oh, to I, I can't think of it in a way other than maybe by platform the game I've probably played the most is probably Pokemon Yellow. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just for the Game Boy, Game Boy Color. And it's, by current Pokemon standards, it's not a good game, but <laughs> I have nostalgia for it, and I've, I, I know all the secrets for it. So it's, like, charming and relaxing for me to play. Another game from my childhood that is less relaxing for me to play because it's when you realise, oh yeah, old games were hard, is uh, Streets of Rage. And because I never had... Well, as a kid, I did have two-player, but whenever you play one-player, it's just as many enemies, but with one person. <laughs> and it's, it's only like eight levels long, but it's got a really good soundtrack and a really nice, punchy 
like just punch guys and go through levels. It's it's really nice. That w- one of those two would be like game of my childhood. Between being a child and like being a like a teenager or a young adult, I didn't really play a lot of video games. And what got me back into playing video games was Nintendo DS. And one of the games that I will say is my favorite game is a game for Nintendo DS by Square Enix called The World Ends With You. It's like, it's a role-playing game that makes really good use of the touch screen. You use the stylus to do all your attacks. You like scratch the screen or you do, you tap circles for whatever you do. And I, it was one of the first games I played that had like a story to it. And that made me realize video games can tell stories. Wow. And I know maybe a lot of people realize this because I know there's a lot of PS1, even earlier games like the some of the early Final Fantasy games which are on the uh, NES. NES. <laughs> I, I keep thinking like Famicom, but that's like Well that's, it's the same it's yeah. the same changes. But I never knew which one that was, if it was NES <laughs> or SNES. I know they they're story best, but that's the first game that took me to realise that games weren't just about punching people <laughs> or uh, going really fast and pushing the right button. Um, <laughs> as as an adult, as an adult, I started playing games because um, Red Mage owned a uh, PS2, so I started playing a lot of role-playing games, like Japanese role-playing games in particular, and they got me into playing like Final Fantasy. And I think I'm going to have to go with the game that I come back to. Every so often I'm like, I really want to play this game. It's Final Fantasy uh, XII because uh, although it's totally different like it from most in the series and if you were to start playing the series, I wouldn't recommend it as a first because it's nothing like the rest of them. I I liked how, like for PS2, it's such a, a beautiful game. It's made for late PS2, so the graphics are pretty much as good as like early PS3 graphics. The... The soundtrack is good. You just get to roam around and do stuff without being hassled by random battles. And I really kind of liked the exploration stuff. And that's the game I come back to in my brain as to... I, I, I'd like to play that <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I think that... The, I'll, I'll say that. So top three games for me. Let's stick with Streets of Rage, which is for Sega Mega Drive. The World Ends With You for Nintendo DS, Final Fantasy XII for PlayStation 2. Oh my god, that is such a hard question. But, <laughs> having said that, I'm pretty sure that I would go with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone for PC, because I had the best time when I was a kid playing that with my sister and trying to get you know, trying to get past it. We never beat it. I did then play it with White Mage again as an adult and we broke Mrs. Norris. She had pathing difficulties that plagued her for the entire level that she's a problem for, so we just ran through it like, no, don't care now, don't care, because she's not going to catch us and she's the only threat here. So we, we managed to break her and we did complete it so you like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone because you broke the animation yeah pretty, pretty much Yeah, well, it, it was just sort of very fun Like I did, it was mostly it is, like though. I had really good fun playing it as a kid and 
it was always very frustrating because I could never beat it completely and you know you're trying to find all the collectibles in that and I'd never managed to find all of them but there are some genuinely really fun segments in it even though it's such an early like it's kind of early for consoles I guess but on PC it's not really an early PC game but it's an not early, fantastic an early 3D game yeah early 3D yeah. game it's you can not find the polygons yeah. it looks it's really buggy it looks... I'm pretty sure I glitched Harry through some stairs at one point as well and he got stuck and died I'm sensing a pattern here because you said the sexy Poutal was great because you managed to glitch and skip forward and save somebody. No, but now no, you're saying Harry you, Potter's great. No, you, you can't. Was... You can't glitch forward and save somebody. No, no you just said that um, it was three o'clock and you saved them. And then oh yeah, no, no, it's because it forces you because <laughs> oh, that's right, when okay. they would die. Right, so okay. I, 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 it, I've managed to save them at three, so it skipped me forward seven hours. So right, it just took him seven hours to get there, I guess. <laughs> And then I would have to say, as much as I do want to go with Final Fantasy XII, because I love Final Fantasy XII, it is such a beautiful game, and it's so interesting, it's just, the the battles, I don't think Final Fantasy has done them better, really, apart from maybe in fifteen, because there's no interruption, it's brilliant, there's no jarring sh- like screen shatter or anything, but I'm going to have to go with Final Fantasy VIII for PS1 because that yes. was my first Final Fantasy. It's what got me into it. And it, the plot's completely off the chain. I don't really understand where they're going with it, but it's fantastic. <laughs> and I just... School is every moody teenager that I went to school with. And it's he's really well written and it really actually quite disgusts me because it's just the fact that I know that's what teenagers <laughs> are like. And it was just frustrating and the other one I had it and I've forgotten it now oh god what, what platform was it for what edge were you oh the other one is kind of I don't know how many people have really heard of it but I picked it up when I was about 13, 14 from Warp 9 and Harrogate when that still existed and I lost my first copy because my boyfriend at the time borrowed it and never gave it back because his brother wanted to play it and then he broke it or something and my mum had to replace it for me well I did, she didn't have to but I, I asked her very nicely could she replace it for me and apparently it was quite expensive to replace so I'm glad that we got quite a few more years of play out of it and that is Shadow Hearts 1 for the PS2 it's an early PS2 game and the graphics are horrible and the plot is bizarre and the characters are like what? but it's got a whole bunch of really well known voice actors in it and you know, you wouldn't know from the way these characters deliver their lines, and you can tell that these really good voice actors have kind of been given the script that they've just had shoved in their face, and they're told, read this, and they've kind of done the best with what they've got. And it's just sort of weirdly, like, it, it's, again, it's just sort of weirdly charming in its own way, and then, it's, it's yeah, equal parts weirdly charming and absolutely horrifying, and it's just, <laughs> it, it's this turn-based... JRPG, where you travel from, I think you start out in China and you end up in Europe and you are trying to basically stop this immortal guy from destroying the world. And it's, it is a sequel to a PS1 game called Kudelka, so, you know, if you've played that, then wow you know I, I i can't i couldn't play kudelka i've seen white mage play kudelka it's just it's really creepy <laughs> it's really unbelievably creepy yeah. if only partially because the graphics are kind of they're bad 
they're bad. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, but I don't like it, and I don't like that it's on the screen and that I can see it. <laughs> but it has got really... Kodelka's got really good music. Shadow Hearts 1, 2, and 3 all have really good music. The company that made it did... I think that they went bust. Did Sega buy them? I don't know Something, I can't remember, but they're not producing games anymore, and it's kind of... It's, it's a shame. I would have played a Shadow Hearts 4. But Shadow Hearts 1 is kind of... It's, it's what got me into the series, and it does sort of best at being creepy. Two has the balance of silly to creepy pretty much spot on. And then three has silly to creepy. It's just silly. It well, Three like a, has think... just gone completely bonkers at that point. And but you know, one was brilliant. And there's a sec- there's a level in that game that gave me nightmares for weeks. So you know, good job, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that was what the intention was, and you did really well. So I'm going to go with that. Talking about Final Fantasy, yeah, that scared me. Those, you know, that level oh, in space, in space, propagators, yeah, 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 those things. Mm, oh, they're nasty. Me. Oh, I hated them. There's that one bit where you got to run across a corridor and it's charging at you, and you're like, ah, and <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, what are your answers for this question? Oh, see, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, no, I have I to, I have to ask now. I can't say Final Fantasy VIII because you've taken it. Oh. So. It's not going to be two people's favourite game. Exactly, yeah, right? I, so I, guess I am, however, sense. really, really glad that I've met somebody else whose favourite who's favorite Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy VIII. It, for me, it peaked at eight. For, um, for Squidgy, the other guy who mm. does the podcast with me, it peaked for him at nine. Okay. Um, and for him, it's he's probably going to hate me for saying it like this, but it's almost like he has an emotional connection to Vivi. So then oh, yeah. Vivi's yeah. journey really affected him. Oh, yeah. No, so that's why it peaked yeah, for him. It's adorable. It is. Oh, oh, my nine is so a really sad. good game. I, I really... Nine, I didn't expect to like it as much as mm. I did because I thought it looked a bit cartoony, but actually it's really emotional. Nine, nine is brilliant. I, I would definitely say if anyone was wanting to get into playing Final Fantasy, I'd start with nine. I think I, it's I would good, say it's a really good beginner Final Fantasy. It's a good difficulty level. The there's a lot of the the tropes there that you kind of expect to see, but it's got its own nice story. The the kinds of character growth is really good. I yeah, I really did enjoy nine. It was my first as well because you owned it and. Yeah. It's a difficult first Final Fantasy mm-hmm. because there's so Let's much... Let's play What is Parallel! Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I remember I, I got stuck really early in the game because I had to go to Balam train station and I was like, I'm in Balam. Where's the train station? And you're like, through there. And I'm like, I didn't know I could go that way. <laughs> mm. the, the, the entrance to the train station almost didn't look quite pre-rendered. It looked too pre-rendered yeah I didn't realise there was a gap between like one like pre-rendered thing and the other but sorry I, I still want to hear your games <laughs> um okay uh so there's I wrote about it a few weeks as of recording this um there's a an N64 um action RPG game called Hybrid Heaven mm-hmm. and it has a really really interesting sort of battle system so the point of the, the story of the game is you are this fella who's named Mr. Diaz, and you shoot a guy in the uh, in in the New York subway. Turns out that the guy you shoot is the head of security for the president. Oh, okay. Uh, you get taken underground by some people, some shady-looking people, 
You then go through this underground area. It turns out you're not actually Mr. Diaz, you're the bloke you actually shot, because the bloke you shot was a clone who was put there by some aliens who want to take over the world. What? Turns no. out! Yeah, turns, turns out. out. <laughs> also, just as you were saying, uh, you know, you shot this guy in the, in the, in, you know, you're scratching your elbow, and I'm there thinking, are you about to say you shot a guy in the elbow? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's... Uh, That's it's, interesting. Yeah, it's made by uh, Konami, and it was made shortly after Metal Gear Solid. Oh. Okay. And so people went, wow, it's going to be Metal Gear Solid for the N64. How wrong they were. <laughs> um, but the, the, the main sort of play mode of the game is you run around as a third-person camera behind the character. You yeah. run and jump and climb things and shoot stuff. And then it goes into this battle mode that it does the sort of interrupt you while you're playing in the same way that the early Final Fantasy games do. But the battle mode is like hand-to-hand combat. All right. And you can move your character around the area using like the, the control stick or whatever it was called on the N64 oh, yeah. controller. But if you if you basically move the control stick really far, all the way across to like left or whatever, your character would kind of almost like jump there. Um, but if you just move the stick a tiny amount, they'd kind of shuffle the way across. And it has an active timer battle in the same way as the early Final Fantasy games. But the active timer the active timer thingy would only fill up whilst you were standing still or moving slowly. So you ah. could be running away from the enemy, but you wouldn't be able to fight. So then you'd have to stop and wait for it to fill up. That's really interesting. Then you've got to wait for them to get next to you, mm. so you can hit the action button and choose an attack. Mm-hmm. Then your character would attack, and they'd have a chance to sort of defend and stuff. So that's one mm. of them, for sure. Because it's got this really off-the-wall story of these these aliens called the Gargantuans, who are three foot tall. Yeah, oh, okay. And you know, and they came and they did some stuff and you've got to sort of stop one of them from trying to take over the world. Um so yeah, it's got that kind of sci fi that really bad sci fi from like the nineteen fifties oh, atomic sci fi. B movie type yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, it it's fantastic. It doesn't look like one, but it has a similar sort of story. Yeah. yeah. I'd say uh Discworld two was right up there at the top. Um the first Discworld game was good. Uh, it also had um, an Easter egg in it. The first one had an Easter egg in it that wasn't discovered until three or four years ago. And the first game was released in 92, 93. Oh, wow. And they're both point-and-click adventure games, and you yeah. play as the character Rincewind. In the first oh, game, wow. if you did some pixel hunting towards the end of the game, um, you could get Rincewind to turn to the camera, and Eric Idle, who voiced the character, would say, I just want to be the first person in a video game to say, and then he drops the F-bomb. <laughs> And that remained hidden until one of the programmers of the game revealed it a few years ago. That's so good. Oh, wow. And then, so, <laughs> then the sequel came out, um, and in the sequel they had, uh, the company that made the game had Hanna-Barbera do all of the animations and the, oh, all of the wow, graphics. Yeah. Um, so there was a huge spike in production value. And it even has, like, a musical number in it and everything. It's really, really stupid. Um, <laughs> but that one had, a, had an Easter egg in it that remained hidden until a few years ago as well. You could do a certain number of actions, and your rinse wind from Discworld Two would be transported back in time to the beginning of the first game, <laughs> and they would have a conversation, and they'd be like, "Oh, don't worry, you'll get out of this mystery because I'm from the future," and things like this. <laughs> and then he turns to the camera and says, "I want to be the first person in a sequel to say," and then drops the f bomb again. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's oh, amazing. Yeah. But it's full of all the sort of Pratchetty tropes like there's um, Zorgo the uh, reverse uh, the retrophenologist 
So for analogy is the the mapping of the bumps on your skull to figure out what your character traits yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go the retro phrenologist hit you on the head to give you those <laughs> to give um, you the bumps and yeah. then reads the bumps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's full of all of those really silly things and 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 just the, because the, it's so stupid. Yeah, the the classic Pratchett naff humor. Mm. So good. It's so naff and it's so great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, so hybrid heaven N64, Discworld two on whatever format you can get it on, because it was PC and PS two and Sega Saturn and a few others, but definitely those two. It would have to be Alien versus Predator on the on the Atari Jaguar. which was a console that not many people had. In fact, they only ever sold 50,000 units of the console. Mm-hmm. And it, this it, it's it's a Doom-style shooter. You know? Yeah, so yeah. Similar sort of engine, but with almost photo, photorealistic backdrops and enemies. And there were three the three stories. There was the Alien, the Predator, and the Marine from the Alien and Predator movies. Yeah. And depending on which one you chose, you got a completely different story. So the, the idea of the story is that when you fire the game up, it's, it's like... These are the, the, it tells you this is the, the, the record of a training mission that happened. And it's presented as if it's like you're being shown a battle simulator. Yeah. And so the idea is that there's this outpost, space station, and a ship flies in with a distress signal going off. So they bring that one in, and then there's an intruder in the, in the, in the space station. And then there's another ship appears with another distress signal. They bring that one in, another intruder appears, and then everybody dies. Obviously. And it's yeah, and then it's yeah. your job to figure out what happened. Yeah. As one of the three characters. So if you choose the alien or the xenomorph or whatever, the whole story arc is you've just been born on the alien ship, except the queen has been captured. So you have to go through all of the other parts mm. of the ship to find the queen and rescue the queen. If you play as the predator, your your whole thing is your ship has just arrived and you have to gain honour. And and kill the queen of the yeah. alien species mm-hmm. to claim your place in the in the in the tribe or whatever. And if you play in the marine story, you have to figure out. There's all sorts of computers lying around. You have to read all of it. So I think you'd like it because of the law. Yeah. But uh, but there's all sorts of stuff in there for things that don't happen in that game mm. or in the universe. They've made up a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. To throw into like extra planets that people yeah. have visited and extra creatures That's and stuff cool. that aren't in any of the films. Oh, they might cool. be in the comic books, I'm not yeah. sure, because there's a, a series of comic books. Um, but the whole point of the game is the Marine, is you you wake up from your cryostasis because you've been frozen, because you attacked a superior officer, and that was your punishment to be cryos- cryogenically frozen for a six-month to eight-month period without pay. You, know, you then get out and find a lot of dead bodies around. You have to then defend yourself against all of these mm-hmm. creatures that are attacking yeah. you, figure out what happened, and then set this self-destruct sequence, and then get off of the station that sounds stressful it really is and it's like I say it's this sort of Doom style slow well Doom wasn't slow moving that was this thing so maybe Wolfenstein 3D style Mm. slow moving slow turning but everything's jumping out at you so. Yeah, I, I cannot play first-person games mostly because they absolutely terrify me. Um, mm-hmm. I do not do well with jump scares, so okay. if anything's going to jump out at me, I am most likely going to absolutely just scream like a little child and throw the controller at the screen. I couldn't get past the first... where where the 
monsters first appear in Silent Hill 2. I could not actually play to the point where the monster actually appears for the first time because I'd seen my friend play it and I knew it was coming and I couldn't handle it. I was not doing it myself. Thank you very much. So I gave that game back to her very, very quickly. So I am a big wimpy baby when it comes to horror games. I can't deal with anything first person that is not something I can play. We got a Jaguar when they first came out in 92, 93. Mm. And uh, when we first got it, you know, my dad sat me down and said, you're going to play this game because it's fun and it's scary. And, you, you know, you're, you're seven, eight years old, but you're going to play it and it's going to be fun. So I sat and played it and he wandered off. And, uh, and my dad was living in a block of flats at the time. And I'm playing it, and I'm like, yeah, this is fun. I'm running around shooting things. I can't really tell what they are. And then all of a sudden, when the face hugger gets you, <laughs> oh, right. and it literally appears on the screen as yeah. if it's over your character's oh, eyes. Yeah. But you don't hear it, and you don't see it until it's on you. So like this thing goes, boof! And I'm like, ah! And I ran <laughs> to the other end of the, the, the apartment, and my dad had thought that I'd jumped out the window. Oh, my God! <laughs> I remember when playing Pokemon Yellow when I was a kid and I managed to beat Giovanni for the first time I actually managed to beat him I was like amazed oh, the 8th gym Giovanni and I was like oh, yes I did it and I literally just started screaming and like jumping up and down waving my Game Boy around and my mum came charging into the lounge and was like what's wrong what's wrong and I was like oh I beat a thing in my game and she just went I thought you were being murdered <laughs> um, so there you go I also have had my parents get worried because I started screaming because of a game I was just so happy because it took me months I did not ever legitimately beat Pokemon Yellow until a few years ago, which is really bad because I was bought it when I was nine. To be fair, I never beat the first Super Mario game and the Super Mario Brothers game on the NES until around 2011. And even then, it was with save states and being able to rewind and go, no, I'm going to do that jump again because it's such a difficult game. Uh, yeah, I... Red Mage saw me playing Super Mario... Is it Super Mario World, the one where you have Yoshi and yeah. you go around? The first few, like, uh, areas, worlds are fine. And then you get to some of the later ones and you're like, why do I have to jump so perfectly on every <laughs> single jump? Why are there spikes everywhere? I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> You hear the death noise a lot. And I felt bad. Like, I, because I always played as Luigi because I like him better. And I was like, no, I don't want you to die, Luigi. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, didn't this happen with, um, oh, what was it as well? Is it Link to the Past that oh. you were playing that you? Oh, Link to the Past. So I've, I've played a few Zelda games. Link to the Past is the only one that I've played that I never completed. I got. I think it's. I think I got to the final dungeon, and I still had to consult walkthroughs for this because it was. I'd get to somewhere and be like, "Yeah, I find a place," and then it turned out I need a thing to open the thing, and I was like, "I don't know where. I haven't looked." Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna look this up. And then I got to the last dungeon, and I just kept going through it. And there's one because it's one of those like old games where you always you can't save within the dungeon, you have to go through the entire dungeon and then do the boss, and that's that. Mm-hmm. I always, this one room had, like, ice in it and spikes, and I just kept falling in pits, and I was like, I'm never going to either make it past this 
room, or even if I do and I make it to a further room, I'm just going to keep dying. I'm just, and then I just gave up. So there you go. I I, gen, I do enjoy Zelda games, but that like I beat Oracle of Edges and Oracle of Seasons with difficulty, but a link to the past was too much for me. <laughs> Usually, the older the game is, the harder it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages are mine. I was bought ages when I was about 11, uh, playing on a family holiday to Fuerteventura, and I managed to beat it on the Game Boy Color via the use of walkthroughs, because I was not, you know, I was like 11, 12, and I wasn't paying attention, and I was not very good at video games, so I used walkthroughs a lot. Um, and then I got Seasons, eventually, myself, and it wasn't bought that for me, and beat that on the Game Boy Color with a walkthrough. But um, then I saw White Mage try to play them on the Game Boy Color, and I realised, actually, do you know what? This is really hard on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> I didn't even realise at the time. Yeah, because I the only Game Boy game I had ever played is, like, Pokemon, and having good controls is not critical in Pokemon. Like, you're not going to die because of bad controls, mm. because it's turn-based, like, role-playing game. It's not very difficult. But you will die in Zelda because of bad controls, and I'm not saying like the game was programmed bad or anything. It's just that I uh, was not used to playing on a, a Game Boy, so I think I the, how I beat it was playing it on the Game Cube, like through the the uh, game. Is, was it Game Cube? Yeah, you played it on or, the Game Cube. Yeah. yeah, there was an adapter. Yeah, like an yeah. adapter. So I could use a different controller, and suddenly it was better. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't have to. And also, it was backlit, like on a proper TV. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to get just the right light, the right angle to see what is going on and quite often I didn't know if something was a tile or a pit or a, a, a bat or something that would hurt me. Well, what, and it was just everything looked kind of yeah. similar. But I did I did legitimately beat it. I can't remember if I used to walk through it. I probably did. Definitely, if, if it was, it wasn't as much as sitting to the past where I just was confused most of the time. By the way, if you haven't played these games, do yourself a favour, go on YouTube, look up the music for Tom Ruins, listen to it, you're welcome. Zelda has a lot of good music though. Mm-hmm. I've played... Most of the Zelda's I've played are uh, portable. I've played the ones for DS, um, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. And I've, the only console Zelda I played... Now, I know like A Link to the Past probably was originally console, but I played it... It was the Game Boy Advance port, so I think of it as a mobile game. To me, the only console Zelda game I played was Wind Waker, which I really enjoyed. It was a nice lovely looking exploration game that aged really well i played it a long time after it came out so and even when i was playing it i was like yeah this looks really nice it's fun to play um no i enjoyed generally do enjoy a good zelda see i feel like i need to make a gamer confession in that i've never finished a single legend of zelda game i played them all i just never finished them fair enough they just they, they feel like it's like Take too long to you, 
Oh, I go to this dungeon, I pick up the thing. Brilliant, I've picked up the thing. Now go to these other 15 dungeons. Yeah. Pick up 15 other things. And then when you've done those, come oh, back yeah. and then I'll send you on another bunch of quests. Yeah, yeah. The, the Oracle games, it's very frustrating because you have like eight dungeons in each and then I think they send you to get more things and mm-hmm. you're just like... I'm done with the collecting things. Can we just go kill the big bad already? I'm mm. getting real bored with this. Wind Waker has one particular segment in the game where you have to find all the different bits of the Triforce. I think there's... It probably appears in a lot of other games, like finding bits of the Triforce. And it's like a lot of bits and you have to go to different bits of the ocean that are marked on your map. And you're like, I can't even remember if they're marked on your map or if you have to get hints. But I remember, I was like, I don't care. I'm just looking this up because I'm not hunting around every square of map for this. Mm. Um, I yeah, I can't remember if they're marked, but I just remember they kind of glow in the scene. You're like, that could be a bit of Triforce, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I might get attacked by something. I don't want to do it. Um, but, yeah. But generally, like, the the general levels were good, but the, that one particular collecting, collectible bit was just frustrating. I can understand not having finished one of those games partially because like a lot of them are difficult and I remember being stuck playing spirit tracks in one particular dungeon like for ages not knowing what I was supposed to do because I missed like what is actually like a Zelda step where you've got to shoot something that's eyeball shaped duh <laughs> uh, I, I just didn't think I just got a bow maybe I should do that so I was running around the whole level again looking for something to do and it took me ages to figure it out <laughs> Uh, but no, good game, so. I really enjoyed my chats with both Red Mage and White Mage. They really are brilliant people, and you should totally check out their work. I'll leave some links in the show notes for you to check out. As always, the full show notes can be found at wafflingtailors.rocks. Let us know what some of your favourite games are, and you can do this on the website using the comment section for this episode, or on Twitter at wafflingtailors. Use the hashtag my favorite game or even on facebook uh, search for waffling tailors i'll include links to our twitter and facebook pages in the show notes remember go to the show notes there's all sorts of stuff there also let us know what you think about the podcast both podchaser and itunes two of the many places you can find the show support ratings and reviews we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review or a rating just letting us know what you think also tell your friends about us If you're into this show, then I'm sure your friends will be. Anyway, catch you next time. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by G.H. See the show notes for more details.